This is the Band School Podcast, where we talk about business adventure and mission with your host, Buddy Rathmel. Hi there. Welcome to the BAM School Podcast. I'm your host, Buddy Rathmel. I'm here today with my guest, Daniel Colston. Um, Daniel exemplifies all of business adventure and mission. So I'm excited to have you guys hear a bit from him, learn from his experience, and hear some of his adventures over the years. Daniel and I met when we uh, actually in this building, we work out of the same shared office space here in Roanoke, Virginia. And um, as Daniel saw me filling up this space uh, with my map winner's business, he asked me if I could do the same for his business. He actually has a couple businesses, uh, multiple founder uh, entrepreneur there. So um, we'll talk about that as we get into it. But for now, Daniel, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, buddy. Really happy to be here. So um, give us the like 60 to 90 second kind of quick version of your life up to this point. Yeah, so I'm from a small town in southwest Virginia called Roanoke, and I was born and raised here and grew up uh, going to kindergarten through 12th grade at a uh, private Christian school here where my dad was the history and government teacher. And from there went to, uh, felt a calling into the ministry. So I went to Bible college and uh, spent one year of that undergrad living in Israel and then finished Bible college, was a bank teller for 18 months. And the last 12 months of that, I was also a part-time youth pastor. Then the church had enough money to bring me on full-time. So then I was a full-time youth pastor the next five years. Then I transitioned into being a financial advisor. And I did that for five years at a, a small boutique firm here in Roanoke. And then I launched my own firm, Upward Financial Planning, about 14 months ago. And throughout that entire time, I was also painting houses. My dad was a, a school teacher, but also would paint houses in the summers. So I was a residential house painter. And then I ended up hiring some guys and growing that business. And then also... As a young bachelor, I would live in a house for a year and then buy another house and turn that first one into a rental property. And I grew my rental portfolio also that way. So cool. I uh, work a lot. I just got married uh, five months ago to my wife, Milena. She's from Colombia and uh, she's a dancer and she loves to cook. So, uh, yeah, life is, is going great right now. Uh, I'm working a lot, juggling both businesses and and the rental properties and all that and filing all the immigration paperwork uh so you know just very thankful very blessed and give god all the glory and credit for that yeah cool so uh how many rental properties do you have here at roanoke seven. Oh wow awesome yeah yeah really cool and um do you generally rent those out like the whole unit to a person or how do you do your rental portfolio yeah, they're all long-term holds. We haven't gotten into any Airbnbs yet or anything yeah. like that. So typically do 12-month yeah. uh, leases, and six of them are single-family yeah. uh, houses, and then one of them is a duplex. Okay. And I'm wanting to get more into the duplexes now. Yeah. Yeah, I bought a four-unit right out of college, and that was a great investment. And wow. Nice. Yeah, it was, it was good. I ended up selling it um, a few years ago, but... Uh, even now, like we have a rental property on our place and it, you know, pays two thirds of the bills. So that's super nice. So not, 
Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to get back into real estate to the tune that you have, but it's, I mean, I think for a young person, it's just the smartest financial move in today's world is to get some real estate. Um, as long as it doesn't get to the point where it's like overwhelming the, you know, if they're really old and things are always breaking down, just such a great move. So kudos to you. I knew you had some, uh, rentals, but I didn't realize it was that level. That's cool. So I'm, I just found out about five minutes ago that you spent time uh, in Israel during your time in college. Tell me what that was like. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, it was amazing. So when I, in my freshman year at a small Bible college in West Virginia, there were some upperclassmen who told me like, yeah, you can totally spend a year in Israel at this small Baptist Institute. And then when you can come back and they'll, you know, transfer all the credits over so you can graduate on time. And I've always been, you know, a huge fan of traveling, exploring and photography. And so, you know, I had been to Italy um, in high school. My dad took me there as a you know, part of a school trip. So I loved international travel and I've always been fascinated by the Bible. And so when the opportunity arose to go study the language of the Bible, the people of the Bible, the geography of the Bible, for nine months for cheaper than than a, a year in West Virginia. Yeah. I was like, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> like, nice. Let, let's go halfway across the world. And you know, it was like ten thousand dollars. Wow. And so I lived on a kibbutz uh, right on right next to the Sea of Galilee, but it was up yeah. on a hill. So so basically out of my front door every morning I would see the Sea of Galilee and on the other side Tiberius. Wow. And we were really close to an area where the traditional site of where Jesus cast the demons out of the pigs yeah, and then the pigs ran off the cliff. So uh, that was pretty cool. And yeah. then we had basically Lebanon right behind us on, on, on the other side of the Golan Heights. And so it, it was just an amazing experience. And I really got to know the people there obviously was the best experience, just getting to know them and yeah. a different culture and sharing in that. And then also seeing the biblical sites and walking where Jesus walked. Yeah, There's a particular bridge outside of Caesarea Philippi, which is in Northern Israel where Jesus asked Peter, who do people say that I am? And then Peter said, you're the Messiah. And that is a Roman bridge that is still there to this day. And wow. it was the bridge that existed when Jesus and his disciples went there. So yeah. we know like that was the only way into the city. So Jesus had to have walked on that bridge. Yeah. So walking across that, you're just thinking like, wow, you know, the master of the universe has occupied this space that I'm occupying right now. Yeah. Of course, God as a spirit is everywhere, but also like Jesus incarnate yeah. was there also. So it was just the coolest feeling. Yeah. And seeing all of the old synagogues, you know, some of them have been destroyed and rebuilt, but some of right. them are, are still there in existence. Uh, for instance, uh, Chorazim, which is one of the cities that Jesus cursed. Yeah. It's now just a, a, a desolate city. It's a national park. You can go and look at the old, ruins yeah and you see the biblical prophecy coming true of where like jesus first that city and said no one's gonna live here anymore and you yeah. go there today and <laughs> no yeah. one's living there yeah so um yeah it, and it really opened my eyes to to the fact that there's more in this world than just like southwest virginia yeah 
there's a whole other language, cultures, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, what, were, what did you learn about the culture? Like, what, what were some of the things that struck you just experiencing the culture over there and, um, you know, being part of the Israel culture, living on a kibbutz? What were some things that kind of stood out to you? Well, you know, being from the South, you know, it's it's all yes, ma'am, and and how you doing, and bless your heart, and yeah, and so you know, we we kind of have a we use all of this courtesy, but but in Israel, you know, these are people who their grandparents or their great grandparents were were being you know kicked out of their homes yeah. or or you know they survived the Holocaust or the pogroms in Russia, so they had all come together in 1948 and founded the, the modern state of Israel. So for them, it's, it's about survival. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's funny because like at the buffet line at the, at the restaurant or the resort we would stay at, if you don't kind of elbow your way in to get the food, yeah. <laughs> like you're not going to get it. So I guess I, I got a little bit, I picked up a little bit of what they call the, the chutzpah, yeah. The chutzpah. Yeah. Of, you know, like if you don't go after what you need or what you want, no one's yeah. just going to give it to you. Yeah. And I brought that back and applied that to my studies and yeah. into my business sense. Yeah. And I think it's helped me a lot. And it's yeah. not like a mean way. It's not like, you know, you want to take advantage of people. It's like yeah. you want to protect yourself. You want to yeah. protect your family. And, you know, I, th I think, I got a more realistic perspective on life through yeah, that way. That's really cool. I think you definitely pick up things from different cultures. I've spent, I don't know, 25 years living overseas. And I remember one time flying from Thailand where we lived to Germany to speak to a school there. And I just remember thinking like, I love what my kids have picked up from Asia, but I wish they had spent more time than just vacations in Europe because of some of that, like, in Germany particular where I was like the drivenness, the like make it happen, you know? And yeah, there's probably nowhere that's more like that than the nation of Israel. Like they have, um, I mean, from day one, they had to protect themselves. They're great. at. There's actually a book called startup nation because of how great they are just at starting up new businesses and things that come from, you know, them doing military service, you know, with one another. And then, so that's, that's super cool that you got to experience that. And for that price, like I've seen trips to Israel where it's like six or seven grand for like for 10 days. Weeks, yeah. yeah. Two weeks. So <laughs> yeah. to get to get, that's awesome. Well, um, tell, tell me just a little bit about your, your time as a, a youth pastor, um, painting on the side. What was life like for you in that season? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. You know, I look back and think, oh man, it was so stressful dealing with like parents and kids and yeah. senior pastor or whatever. And now looking back, it's like, uh, now I'm dealing with, you know, tens of millions of dollars and people's yeah. money. And, you know, now I know what real stress is. Yeah. Like back then it was just like, oh man, is the van going to survive, you know, yeah. the, the trip down to uh, summer camp and stuff like that. So it was a wonderful time. I, I love the people and I loved the community yeah. and the belonging and just knowing like no matter what happens, we're all going to have each other as friends. Yeah. And you get to know people and their stories and you get to be able to become a part of their stories Yeah, and be with them in their most vulnerable and intimate times, you know, um, 
getting married or, or at a funeral or yeah. preaching a funeral. I, I preached several funerals and did some weddings also and also you know hospital visits, yeah. sick visits. Uh, I was a youth pastor that would go visit kids at their lunch at their schools. Yeah. And it was always kind of like not really intimidating, but just like yeah. I was kind of the the guy that was out of place. Yeah. Because the secretary was like, oh, really? You're like, you're doing that. You're coming yeah. to visit. That's great. But then, you know, my kids wouldn't necessarily want me to to be seen with me yeah. for their friends. And so yeah. it was just like, yeah, here I am. I'm this, you know, 24-year-old hanging out with these you know, 15-year-olds, 13-year-olds, yeah. whatever. Um, so it was a great time. Yeah. And also I loved preaching. So I, I would obviously preach to a youth group every Wednesday night. Yeah. And also on you know, when the, when the pastor was out of town, he would ask me to, to fill the pulpit. So I uh, really enjoyed that. And also as part of that, I went and got my Masters of Divinity oh, at cool. Southeastern Seminary in yeah. Wake Forest, North Carolina. Yeah. So I doubled down and got another Bible degree Yeah. and learned even more Greek and Hebrew and counseling and yeah. all of that. And it's had a huge impact on... Yeah on being able to be a financial advisor and, you know, kind of do counseling, like help right. people through, through their difficult times, whether yeah. it's divorce or uh, the death of a spouse or, you know, all, all sorts of things, you know, right. when life happens and you need to make those money moves. Yeah. So it, it's benefited me in a huge way. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I enjoyed going to school lunches in my time as a youth pastor and, at one point, the principal actually offered me an office in the school where oh, I worked cool. on a military base. And I didn't uh, choose to take that office. But I remember one time telling her about a fight that was going to happen after school. And she said, okay, great. Thanks. Could you just be there and make sure it does it? And I was like, <laughs> what? You're like, am I going to pay you? Yeah. Like, you a salary? Yeah. And where was, what city was that? That was in Okinawa, Japan. Oh, okay. Kadena Air Base, on a military base. and uh, But a lot of fun. I ended up that day actually um, finding a cop and saying, hey, can you, you know, are you busy right now? And he's like, oh, why? And I was like, because there's going to be a fight. And so that was much more exciting than the speed gun that he was working. So he went and, and took care of it. But yeah, that the, there, it's a real privilege to be in people's lives in those kind of times. And Absolutely. I, I think the thing that I've seen people be really grateful for that you've hit both of those is when you impact their kids and when you impact their money, you know, like when, when you have a positive impact on those two things, like people are really grateful for those, you know, those times in, in their lives. So you, you mentioned that you were at a boutique firm for a season and then you started your own. Tell me about that. How is it working at that firm and what precipitated the transition to doing your own thing? Well, maybe I'm just a natural born entrepreneur and maybe I just don't make that good of an employee. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think I made, I made an amazing employee. You know, I've always respected my superiors and always, you know, done everything that, that they've asked of me, but I also have like this burning, like, like you were talking about the, the driven yeah. and being passionate and, wanting to succeed and, you know, why only manage 10 million when you could manage a hundred million, you yeah. know, why not only help so many people when you could help uh, a lot more people. Yeah. And so I had these goals and 
you know, it basically came down to um, my former boss and I were both, you know, very good financial advisors. And I didn't want to grow the company so big where he was making all of the money. Yeah. And so, you know, we had that discussion and, and he told me that he would make me partner, but it didn't really materialize. Yeah. And so I waited a whole year and was asking him about every week, like, Hey, yeah. can we talk about that? You know, yeah. and it, it never materialized. So I was like, okay, you know, at this point I realized, you know, I'm, I pretty much need to just go out on my own. Yeah. And so, you know, the idea was if I can't cut it, then I'll just go work for someone else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, with a whole lot of more experience. Yeah. And so I went out on my own and then a lot of my former clients contacted me and moved over. Yeah. And then I got a whole lot of new clients. And then when I realized I get to keep a hundred percent of what I make for yeah. myself and I have a hundred percent equity of this business. Yeah. I was like, let's go, let's build this yeah. thing, you know, let's bootstrap. And so, um, we've grown now. I have, uh, a, an office manager and an intern and a marketing director. Yeah. And there's another advisor who, who's helping me out on some projects. And so it's grown beyond me and a lot bigger than me yeah. already. And it's only been 16 months Yeah, and we're managing just under $12 million. Yeah. Um, which is, which is a great start. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it was cool. It's always cool when you hit it, you know, you had a goal for a year, you hit that goal, you're exceeding it now. Always a cool thing. And I mean, I, I guess there was some measure of you were still going to eat from the rental properties and your painting business, even if it took you six, eight, 10 months to make money from this. Like, you know, you weren't going to starve, you weren't going to be out on the streets. And so just the that safety net kind of allows you to, Hey, let's launch out and try to do something different. You know, you had had a little bit of freedom to kind of go out and do that. What were some of the challenges in starting your own? Obviously you got to be getting clients like right from the start. What were, what were some of the challenges for you in that whole process? Yeah, absolutely. I would say the, the biggest challenge would just, was just, being alone in everything yeah. at the very beginning because yeah. formerly I had my former boss and we were like partners. We like yeah. grew, grew that thing together. So it was like, okay, now I'm the chief compliance officer. Now I'm yeah. the, the lead financial advisor. Now I'm yeah. the lead tax guy. Now I'm yeah. the lead marketing director. It's like, I had to do everything myself, build yeah. the website, um, you know, make these long phone calls to, Charles Schwab, our custodian, trying yeah. to get new clients. It's just like when you're a part of a company, especially with good culture, you really enjoy having your your coworkers around and, yeah. and ha- having that camaraderie. Yeah. But I, I will say I was very lucky to start out in this office space where yeah. there's all these other business owners yeah. and, and the nonprofit workers here yeah. and build relationships with them. So even though I was kind of like siloed by myself and doing everything by myself, I at least had friends I got to see every day and, yeah. and check in on life and, yeah. and have that community. Yeah. I remember we did lunch probably five or six weeks ago in here and I don't even, it was just one of those kind of like magical lunches. Everyone's laughing. Like we were like, it's yeah. like our own comedy show here <laughs> in the, uh, the Williamson. Um, you see yeah. the personalities come out that, yeah. 
you know, you've known this person four or five months, but you don't really get to know them until yeah. you're in, in the, you know, a less sanitized environment yeah. and you get to, to see what they're really all about. Yeah. So, so we, we actually met here and then you knew I was doing marketing. And as we talked about it, you know, you said like probably one client or, or maybe two would pay for my services for you for a year. So how long did it take for you to pay that back? Do you think from the stuff coming from Google business stuff for you? Yeah. So, I mean, I've already gotten, I know of at least, at least two clients that I've gotten just from Google. And so it's kind of an interesting way to think about it because, you know, obviously I think of clients as people, not just as a source of income for me, right? but also I'm cognizant of the, you know, the amount of revenue that each client yeah. creates based on how big their account is. So if they have a million dollar account, then that then I'll make roughly $12,000 recurring revenue yeah. on that every year. So I think I brought over maybe 200,000 over from Google so yeah. far. And um, so it's definitely going to pay for itself, especially yeah. if you consider like how many years that client's going to stay with you. Right. If you think, Oh, they're going to stay with me at least 10 years. Yeah, and they make you a thousand a year. Then that paid for my for yeah. your services to do the marketing. Yeah. So what have been the things, the biggest things for you? Is it just pounding the pavement, making phone calls, doing events? What are the things right now where you're seeing people come in from? Yeah, it is so hit or miss. Yeah, it's like you'll get you know the, the friend who you've had for decades, and you try to convert into a client. Yeah. They might have $50,000 or they might might be a small client. And then you'll get a phone call from Google and they're like, hey, I've got, you know, 1.5 million to invest. Yeah. And, you know, so um, there's actually another financial advisor in town and his minimum is $2 million. Yeah. And so he sends me any client underneath that threshold. Yeah. So and, and he he's telling them, you know, you can trust Daniel. So we already have this implied trust. They call yeah. me, they're already move, ready to move their money. Yeah. There's none of this dating game, which I've right. done a lot of the, you yeah. know, let's get lunch, let's get dinner, yeah. you know, come by the office, you know, let's talk for a year. And then, yeah. and then you go with someone else anyways. Yeah. That, that happens a lot too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I write blogs, I've written a book. Yeah. I try to go to networking events. Um, uh, Josh, who works with us, goes to a lot of networking events. Yeah, we do golf outings. Um, I have learned to keep my expectations low. Yeah, because you know when I first was a financial advisor, I went to my first networking event. I got everybody's business card. There were like eighty people there. I got yeah. everybody's business card. Yeah, and I thought they were all going to become clients because I got yeah. their business cards. None of them became clients. Yeah, um, but you know it's just building those relationships. Yeah. And the most successful financial advisors are all in their fifties right now because yeah. they've been doing it 30 years and everybody right. trusts them. And, and it, it's a survival game. If you can survive long enough, then you'll also be successful Yeah, uh, just by the merit of surviving. Yeah. That's a great thought. I, I've heard the quote, like, if you don't quit, you'll win, you know? And it's like in yeah. business, if you don't quit, you'll win. But a lot of people quit because it's painful at times or difficult I had a meeting scheduled for two weeks ago that where I thought I was picking up the check and starting this service. And I'm like, Hey, I didn't have, you know, haven't confirmed the time, haven't heard from you. 
blah, blah, blah. And the secretary is like, oh yeah, something came up, you know. And I think it's still going to happen with the meeting got bumped to next week, but it's just like, everything's uncertain in business. Like, will it happen? Will it not? So um, tell me a little bit about your book. It's called Money Success. How, what was the process like that for writing it? And then how has it impacted your business? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I wrote this book called The Money Success Guidebook. And I wanted to create a marketing piece, basically, to yeah. because when you hand people their business card, they, they, they might just throw it away. Yeah. But if you hand them a book, yeah, they might pick it up and read it. Or yeah. at the very least, they'll set it on their bookshelf Yeah, and they'll see your name. Yeah. <laughs> Every time they walk in the room. Right. But I wouldn't like I've always loved writing. I wrote yeah. books when I was a youth pastor. And so for me, I love, you know, com- communicating. Yeah. I love preaching. Yeah. And so I love just taking the information and distilling it down to to where you can understand it. Yeah. So I took all of the boring financial stuff. Yeah. Taxes, insurance, investments, estate planning, retirement planning, social security benefits, budget, saving, stocks, bonds, blah, blah, blah. Um, All of the boring stuff and made it, tried to make it interesting. Yeah. So I included stories and illustrations and, you know, real client stories. Of course, you change the names. Right. And, And the book is everything that you need to know about money. Yeah. From A to Z, from budgeting and saving to investing and growing your wealth. And so it's really written for anybody. If you're an advanced investor or if you're just getting started. And then also at the same time, I was, I was getting my master's of theology. And so part of my, my thesis for a project there was uh, writing a theology of money. Oh, cool. And so every time that, that money is mentioned in the Bible, I, I talk about that. Yeah. And, and so that is an appendix to the book. Okay, cool. Yeah, a lot of people have found that interesting. Yeah, that's neat. So one of the one of the things early on when I first met you is you took off. Um, you and your wife did a trip across the country in your van, lived a little bit of van life, um, and then I learned you actually made the van yourself. So you you took a um, a shell of a van, I guess, and then you made it yourself. So um, what spurred that on? And then how was the process of building your own van? Yeah, it was awesome. You know, I've always wanted a camper and, you know, in the last decade vans have become the the next best thing. Yeah. So I bought, I bought an empty van. It was formerly a bread delivery truck and drove up to Ohio, picked that up and then just, just built the inside of it, put in a bed, a kitchen, flooring, the ceiling, and some shiplap and you know just tried to make it look cool and that took me probably four or five months yeah and i did everything except for the electrical i hired an electrician to come out and hook up the the ac and the dc because you have to have two different types of electricity in there yeah. um because you have to charge the battery and then use that to you know power everything yeah and it was a pretty simple build i didn't go crazy i didn't put in a shower or toilet or anything like that yeah because we typically, we just use our gym membership or yeah. <laughs> truck stops, you know, yeah. along the way for any of that stuff. So, yeah, it's something I, I've 
wanted to do for a while. So I built the van, I think in 2020. Okay. It was, uh, it was another 2020 project Yeah, and gave me something to do. Um, you know, I was flipping houses. So I was like, why not flip a van too? Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, we took off this past May, we did a month and we, we spent a week in Florida with my family for our family vacation. Yeah. Cause my sister lives there outside of Orlando and then we did the Southern route. So we did um, Alabama, Mississippi, New Orleans, Texas. And then we went up into um, New Mexico, Arizona, saw the Grand Canyon, Cool. Uh, spent a week in Vegas. Yeah. And uh, just had a great time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the Grand Canyon. The first time I saw it, it's like you see it in pictures, but then when you see it in person, you're like, wow, this place is amazing. Yeah. And um, I, I haven't gone back yet, but last time I was there, if you're ever in the Grand Canyon on the north side, cabin 309 is the one like on the edge. Oh, the wow. North side, if you're ever there, 309 is the cabin that uh, overlooks the edge. I might take a picture of it. I don't think I want to stay in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that's beautiful. What, um, what did your wife enjoy van life as much as you did? And Oh yeah. 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 That's, you know, one, another reason why I married her was, yeah. you know, she, she was, she was down. Um, I mean, we were cooking our own food yeah, and, and just traveling and that's a huge part of it is the adventure yeah. right. of it. You know, like, you know, if, if you get on a flight and you go on a trip, like, you know, you have to be on that return flight home and when yeah. it is and everything. But if you take off in a van, you not only know your destination, but, but you're also going to see all these things along the way yeah. that you weren't expecting to see. Right. And that was, those are always the coolest experiences. Yeah. We actually, my wife and I in 99 had a, a Volkswagen Westfalia that we went around the country for a couple months in. And um, one, we actually were going north of in Minneapolis, going north from there up towards St. Cloud. And it broke it, well, run out of gas at night because our gas cap was off and our gauge was broken. And the some people stopped by on on the way, pull, you know, pulled over and um we start talking and and we're just connecting. And and the lady was like, Yeah, my husband was gonna drive right by, but there you we had a big ichthus of fish, Christian fish on the back. And the husband's like, I don't have any tools, what could I do? And the wife's like, you just preached on the Good Samaritan last week and you're going to drive <laughs> by this van. So they got off at the exit, came back around and we're talking and just, you know, we were with a mission agency at the time called Cadence International. And the lady goes, my daughter is with Cadence International. I go, oh, really? What wow. is her name? And she says her name, Kathy Wilson. And I told her, this lady, I said, I talked to you on the phone two weeks ago because I was, wow. this is like pre-cell phone. So I was looking for her son-in-law and daughter. And so they invited us to our, their house we stayed the night and we changed our whole route of where we we ended up going to glacier national park and banff and just places that they were like go here and go here you know so experience some of those things but yeah and someone told me during that trip you're really lucky you married jen because she'll live with you out of a van for this season and <laughs> in my mind i was like isn't that every woman's dream to like you know travel <laughs> live on a van and I've since learned, no, there's a lot of people that that would not be their ideal experience. So that's cool that you found someone that loves to do that with you. And 
yeah, get to go. What were some of the highlights from this last trip um, as you went out? You came, didn't you come back a week later than you had originally planned? Um, I think we came back a week sooner. Oh, a week sooner. But that was because we had we had spent a whole month and we were yeah. just like, um, I had bought some new shoes in Vegas and then walked around in them all day. Yeah. And my, I ended up getting huge blisters on my feet. Oh, no. And we wanted to go hiking in Zion National Park after that. So I was like, eh, yeah. let's just get home. We're tired. Yeah. It's hot. Like, you know, let's get back to the East Coast. So yeah. we just loaded up the van and just drove for four days straight. And then we would just sleep at um, <laughs> rest stops. Yeah. Wake up. You got your bathroom right there. You brush yeah. your teeth. All right, let's keep let's keep trucking. And um, you know, we stopped at all the all the big places on the way home. Nashville. Um. Uh. So, you know, I, I told Milena, you know, you've just lived in the United States a couple of years now, but you've already seen more of the United States than most Americans have. Yeah. And um, and it's super true. But probably our favorite city was. Uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, it's just, it, it's just an amazing city. I mean, it's, it's desert, but it's high desert. So it gets cold at night. Yeah. And the, the hiking there, um, it's just, it, it's amazing. Yeah. And the people and the whole atmosphere, um, just really beautiful place. Actually, it's the oldest city in America. A lot of people okay. don't know that. Um, they think it's in Florida, but actually Santa Fe was settled by the Spanish back in the, uh, the 12 or 1300s. Yeah. I forget exactly. We, we don't do public dates or public math on the BAM School podcast, <laughs> so you're, you're safe. Cool. cool. We'll, we'll just say it was old. Long time yeah. ago. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So um, getting back a bit to your business, who, like, what are some of the values that, that kind of guide you. Um, I'll start with that. What are some of the values that guide you as you do financial management? Yeah, absolutely. I'd say the most important thing is, you know, goes back to to my Christian roots is yeah. the golden rule. Yeah. Treat others the way you want to be treated. You know, it's it's that basic, you know. Yeah. So like as I'm managing money, people's money, I manage it as if it were my own money. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that keeps me from from making um, drastic mistakes. Yeah. And, um, and also, you know, when you have that ethic of being in business to help people, that's what can truly help you, um, survive longer in business. Because if you're in business for yourself, that comes out pretty quickly. Right. And, and you end up losing clients and, and or making them angry and they leave and, you know, then you have a bad reputation and you can't get new clients yeah. And so, you know, for me, it's not even about making money. It's about helping people. Yeah. And um, it, as, a, as a financial advisor, I've been able to help, you know, people in their 50s, 60s, 70s, even 80s. And sometimes they'll have this conversation with me and they'll say, now, I really need to trust you. Like, yeah, I'm giving you my life savings. Right. So like. Don't screw up, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I got you. You yeah. know, if you have any questions, let me know. Uh, let me know how I can help you get to the trust level that you need to get to, where you yeah. feel comfortable. Um, and so, you know, I, I've helped clients who are going through a divorce or um, or lost a loved one, 
or, you know, lost a, a child, unfortunately. Yeah. And, you know, just being able to, to plan, you know, for, for those things and help them through those difficult times yeah. can make all the difference because there are a lot of bad actors in the industry, sadly. Yeah. Um, so when, you know, when I introduce myself to people, it depends on the context on, yeah. on how I'll introduce myself. You know, yeah. if I'm in a blue collar environment, I tell people, Hey, I'm a, I'm a residential painter, you know, yeah. I paint houses for a living. Um, you know, if I go to a cocktail event, trying to get new financial clients, yeah. I introduce myself as a financial advisor, but, um, but, uh, being able to, to help people because of the bad actors. Yeah. Being able to say, no, actually that insurance product, you know, the only reason that you own that is because it was sold to you, not because you wanted to buy it. Yeah. Um, but we can put you in this better product and save you this much money. Per year. Yeah. Um, and so kind of being a watchdog. Yeah. Because uh, not only are there bad actors in the industry, but then there's also scam artists, you know, yeah. um, elderly people get those emails yeah. like, Hey, send me all your money. And, yeah. um, and so being able to help, help them, you know, save them from making really bad decisions. Yeah. So if, if someone heard this podcast and would like to talk with you further about becoming a wealth manager for them, what's the best way for someone to contact you? Yeah. So, um, just Google my name, Daniel Colston or Upward Financial Planning yeah. and the website will pop up. Yeah. And the website is uh, upwardfp.com. Yeah. Uh, F as in financial, P as in planning. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'll definitely have to post uh, a link to your Instagram so people can see uh, the van life experience that you had and uh, yeah, post it to your businesses as well. But thanks so much for being on the podcast, Daniel. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It, it's a right, stop. There we go. Bam School, facilitating a global self-funding disciple-making movement through business. Thanks for tuning in to the Bam School podcast. Find show notes, free courses, resources, and more at forbam.com. <laughs>